Luke 24, 1 through 12. I'm going to read those verses for us. Here's the word of the Lord. It says, But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe in them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for your word. And I thank you for the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We can see in your word. We pray that you would help us to believe and to rejoice this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jesus was truly dead. He was literally, physically dead. His body completely stopped working. And when he died, just before he died, he yelled out, It is finished. And he meant when he said that, There is nothing left for me to do. Salvation is complete. Redemption is accomplished. It is over. Now for the rest of history, anyone who believes the name of Jesus Christ will be saved because salvation has been accomplished. Nothing left to do. Jesus cried out, it is finished, and then he died. And there was a long pause. Everything went quiet. There was a long pause. And finally, God the Father raised Jesus Christ, the Son of God, from the dead. He raised Him from the dead. He gave his life back to him. Jesus was no longer dead. He was alive and he was given a glorified body, a body that would never die again. And when God the Father raised Jesus from the dead, it was as if God the Father was saying, Yes, Son, you are right. It is finished. There is nothing left for you to do. You are my perfect, beloved Son, and this is a perfect sacrifice. This is, this is 
plenty. This is plenty. You have done enough. You have satisfied every demand that I have. When Jesus is raised from the dead, it's God the Father saying for anyone who has ears to hear, anyone who has eyes to see, that redemption is accomplished. That what Jesus did on the cross is enough. All those who trust in Jesus will be saved forever. And they will be, and they will be alive with Jesus forever. When God raised Jesus from the dead, it was the most earth-shattering, history-changing miracle ever. It is God's amazing grace to us. My question this morning, and it mostly started as a question to me this week, a question to myself, and is now a question that I'm going to I'm going to open up for all of us. How can this huge, earth-shattering, history-changing miracle, how can the truth of the resurrection get deeper into us? How can it change us more and more? How can it become more and more real to us? You see, I want the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ to help me as I start out my day tomorrow, with anything and everything that comes my way tomorrow, I want the truth of the resurrection to change the way I deal with Monday. I want the truth that since Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, that, that, that since Jesus Christ is going to live forever, that means that all who believe on Him will be raised from the dead and they will live forever. I want the truth that I'm going to live forever because of Jesus Christ, because of His perfect sacrificial death and His glorious resurrection. I want that to change me. I want that to give me joy. I want that to help me to be content and kind and patient no matter what comes my way. I want the truth of the resurrection to change me. And I bet that's what you want too. Don't we want this huge truth to become more and more real to us? Become more and more life-changing for us? Our passage here, Luke 24, 1-12, gives us two things that we're going to need if we are going to have the truth of the resurrection become more and more real to us. Two things that we need. Alright? And I wrote these myself. No Easter sermon plagiarism here. I wrote both these myself. First thing we need, we need to be human. Second thing, we need to remember the words of Jesus. We need to be humans who remember the words of Jesus. And, and I know you're thinking to yourself right now, did, did Steve just say that his first point was we need to be human? Could we, could we have set the bar any lower? Is this, it, it, could we have set the bar any lower? I know you're thinking, most of the people you know are, are human, right? 
The only, you know, the only creatures in your household that are listening right now who this doesn't apply to are, are your pets. I, I heard from a few people this week who, who missed a, one of the points of last week's sermon because their, their pets had gotten a little out of hand and so they couldn't hear everything. Um, and, and I, I've already talked to you about my, my theological position on whether or not, um, pets should be a thing. Anyhow, we're, but we don't need to talk about that. Right now, it's just further proof, further proof. But anyhow, but the only people listening—I mean, the only creatures listening—that this doesn't apply to are your pets. That's the glorious part about this passage. It's for humans. It's for humans. We need to be human. We need to remember the words of Jesus. That's the only two points this morning. What do we mean by that? What do we mean by we need to be human? Let's jump in and see. Verses 1 through 4. Let me read those verses to you real quickly again. Look, how, look at how human these people are. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb. These are the, the women. They're taking the spices they had prepared. These are devout, wonderful women. These are courageous women. These are heroic women. These are all-stars. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But they went, they went in and they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. These are angels. Angels, angels come to talk to these women. Now, okay, so, 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 so I, again, these women are, are wonderful people. But you can see here in these verses just how human they are. Jesus himself had told them. I mean, and, and he didn't speak to them in parables. He, he told them flat out, I am going to go to Jerusalem. I am going to die. And in three days, I am going to be raised again. Jesus told them, and he didn't speak in code. This was not like pig Latin. He told them straight up, here's what's going to happen. And the thing is, everything else he had said would happen, happened. And they had seen all the stuff that Jesus was able to do. It wasn't, this is, this is pretty quickly after he raised Lazarus from the dead. They knew what Jesus was capable of. But they, he goes to Jerusalem. He dies. God raises him from the dead, and they're perplexed. They go to where Jesus should have been. And they're looking for his body. They're going to dress it for burial. They're going to, they're going to finish anointing it with, with spices. They're completely expecting for him to be dead. Even though he said to them, I'm not going to be dead. Why do they respond this way? Why are they perplexed? Because they're human. The disciples, down in verses 10 through 12, actually respond worse. They actually respond worse. After Mary Magdalene, after they, after they um, hear the word from the angel and they believe and they remember and they start to rejoice, they go to tell the, 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 the disciples, the 11 remaining disciples, Verse 10, now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the 
mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the disciples. They said, you've got to hear this. You have to hear this. Jesus has been raised from the dead, just as he said. You have to hear this. <laughs> but, verse 11, I love this. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. The disciples said, oh, this is an idle tale. Now, that's a pretty, uh, that's a pretty derogatory thing there. That's a, that's, when they say idle tale, that's kind of like an old wives tale. These, these men, these disciples are kind of looking down their nose at these women and they're saying, ladies, this is, go back to your, go back to your gossiping sewing circle with this stuff. We're men. We're too, we're, we're, we're way too worldly wise to believe this foolishness. This is something that only a hysterical, emotional, dramatic woman would believe. That's what they, that's what they mean when they say idle tale. They're not being nice. It's not a nice thing to say. They, as much or even more than these women, had heard what Jesus had said. Jesus straight up said to them, we're going to Jerusalem. I am going to die. And on the third day, I will be raised again. It's going to happen. And when it happens, none of these humans believe that it happened. None of them do. And now, of course, maybe you and I are tempted to be kind of hard on them. To say, what's wrong with you? What's your problem? Let's hold up for a second. Let's, let's cut these ladies some slack. Let's cut these disciples some slack. Let's, let's give them a break for a minute. Let's, let's remember they're only human. Their world has just been turned upside down. The person that they had that they had banked everything on has been publicly arrested, publicly tortured, publicly mocked. He has been humiliated and he has been he has been crucified like a common criminal. They have some processing to do, right? They have some processing to do. They have some things they've got to sort out in their mind. Let's cut them some slack. That's one reason, but then even the, maybe the bigger reason? Let's, let's you and I remember just how forgetful and how stubborn we are. Let's remember how forgetful and how stubborn we are. See, the thing is, most likely this morning, maybe not all of us, but a lot of us who are listening to this, who are worshiping Jesus on this Resurrection Sunday, a lot of us have believed in the Resurrection for years. And yet, how often do I, even though I know I am going to live forever, I am going to live forever because Jesus Christ poured out His blood for my sins and because God the Father raised Him from the dead, 
Jesus Christ has defeated every enemy that matters. He's defeated sin and death and Satan and hell. He's taken care of all of it. And I know I'm going to live forever with God and it's going to be joy. It's going to be safety and holiness and joy forever. How often, though, do I get caught up in like lust and envy in this world that's fading away? If I truly believe I'm going to live forever, that Jesus Christ has opened the doors to paradise, and He's going to drag me there, if I truly believe that, then why do I get so envious of something that someone has here in this fading world? Why am I so tempted towards lust to, to, towards moments of pleasure when I have, when I have the, a joyful eternity before me? Why do we struggle to be patient with, with our children for just a few moments? Why do we feel the need to lie or to boast or to lash out in anger to protect our, our image and our reputation in this world that's fading away? If we're going to live forever... Why? We're forgetful. We're stubborn. In a word, we're human. We're human. The wonderful thing about this passage is it reminds us that every single person that Jesus was crucified and resurrected for We're human. Every person that Jesus has saved from their sins has, like you and me, been a forgetful, stubborn human. If we are going to more and more have the the truth of the resurrection become real to us, become even more life-changing today than it was yesterday. Even more joy-giving Monday than it was three months ago or four years ago. If we're going to have the truth of the resurrection sink deeper and deeper into us, we need a couple of things this passage teaches us. And thankfully, the first one, we can check this off the, box, uh, off, the, off the list. We need to be human. We need to be human. Second thing we need, we need to remember the words of Jesus. We need to remember the words of Jesus. We need to be human who remember the words of Jesus. Let me look at, let me show you verses 4 through 8 again. 4 through 8 say, while they were perplexed about this, these wonderful, courageous women risking everything to go and to, and to anoint Jesus' body for burial, to continue to dress His body. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel, these angels. And as always happens when angels show up, they were frightened. The women were frightened. bowed their faces to the ground. The men said to them, 
I love this question. Why do you seek the living among the dead? Verse 6, He is not here, but has risen. Remember how He told you while He was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. Verse 8, I love this, and they remembered His words. This is what flips everything for these women. This is what changes everything in, for these women. They, they remember the words of Jesus. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! He said He was going to do this. Jesus keeps His promises. I remember now. I love this. I love this passage. I love that this is what these angels do. I love that this is what these angels do. Because here's the thing. I've got like a little bit of breaking news for you here. Here's the thing. Keep it between you and me. I'm not an angel. I'm not an angel. I know you've heard rumors. I know you've heard rumors. All of those rumors were started by me. Uh, no one else has been trying to get this rumor started. Uh, but the rumors are not true. I'm not, I'm not an angel. I'm not. I wasn't even allowed to be an angel in our Christmas play when we were growing up. We, our church did a Christmas play every year. And by the time I was old enough to be the angel, you know, like Gabriel who stands before Mary, fear not Mary, and I would have been, I would have been amazing. I would have been great. I would have brought, the, I would have brought tears. I, it would have been amazing. They said, no, Steve, you, you should be King Herod. You should be the dude who goes on the murderous rampage. That feels right. That feels better. So, so I was, I was Herod. And some other, you know, psh, somebody was an angel. Was that 25 years ago? Yes. Was, am I still talking about it? I am. I am. That's, I gotta work through that. Anyhow, I'm not an angel. I can't even play one in a church Christmas play. Wonderful thing about this passage. I don't have to be an angel. I don't have to be able to do what these angels could have done. Because think about what they could have done. Think about what they could have done. I mean, they could have pulled out all the stops. They could have put on a show. When, they, when it came time to convince these women of what had happened, they, uh, to convince these women of the truth of the resurrection, and to have it make sense to these women, and to be revolutionary and life joy, life-giving and, 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 and joy-giving, to, to have it become real to these women, they could have done a lot of really cool stuff. Angels, angels can do stuff. They could have brought the house down. But what did they do? They did what you and I can do. They reminded these women of the words of Jesus. They just talked to them. They said, ladies, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's not here. Remember what He said. Remember what He said to you. He said the Son of Man, He, he said the Son of Man is going to die. The Son of Man is going to die and in three days He is going to rise again. Remember what He said to you. This is something that you and I can do for each other. We don't have to be angels. We don't even have to be allowed to pr pretend to be angels in a Christmas play. We don't have to be angels. We don't have to be able to do miracles and, and put on a show. We just have to be able to, to come alongside each other 
In the days of coronavirus, we just have to be able to send a text or send an email or make a phone call or send a letter and say, remember the words of Jesus. This is what Jesus has been doing since the very first Easter Sunday, the very first Resurrection Sunday. This is what He's been doing to get the truth of the resurrection deeper into the hearts and minds of the people He loves. This is what He's been doing. This is it. So we can do this. We can do this. We can remember together. We can can remind each other. I can talk to you about John 10, where Jesus said, Jesus said to us in John 10, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. John 11, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. John 14, Jesus says to us, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And I will take you to Myself that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus says in John 16, I have said these things to you that in Me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus has spoken to us. He's spoken to us through the prophets. He's spoken to us through His own lips in the Gospels. He's spoken to us through His apostles in the rest of the New Testament. Jesus has spoken to us. Let's remember that together. Let's remind each other of it. I hope you, that you, you guys have had a chance to, um, to take in the, the videos that Colin has posted every day of Holy Week this, this past week. There's one for Monday through Friday. And I think it's Thursdays. Um, Thursdays was great. The rest of them, eh. No, no, they were all, they were all good. Thursdays was great. Because Colin, what he did, he just reminded us of the words of Jesus. How Jesus said to us, it's good that I go so I can send my helper to you. Scripture is just full of this stuff. Just full of the good words of Jesus. Now, now how do you and I believe this, though? How do, you, how do we believe it? We remember it together. We remind each other of it. How do we believe it? This also is the grace of Jesus. Jesus, knowing that we're human, knowing that we're human, Jesus opens our minds. It's what He does for His own apostles. Down in Luke 24, at the end of this chapter, 44-48, through 48, I just want to read these verses to you real quickly to show you what Jesus does for His people. And Jesus is talking to His disciples. And this is after they've seen the, the empty tomb. This is after they've seen the risen Lord. And they're still processing things. I mean, they're still trying to put the pieces together. They're still trying to figure out what it all means. 
They've seen it. They've seen Jesus. They've seen him eat and drink, so they know he's, he's not a, a ghost or an illusion. They, they've seen the nail-pierced hands. They've seen it. They're still trying to process it. Jesus said to them in verse 44 of Luke 24, He says, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses... Okay, we're, I, I'm just going to stop and do a commercial real quick, right here. Jesus says, Everything written about me in the law of Moses. We're going to start a sermon series on the book of Numbers next week. One of the reasons I am pumped about the book of Numbers is it's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. It's a book that finds its fulfillment in Jesus Christ. It's a gospel book. All right, commercial's over. All right, let's get back to the text. Everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then look at verse 45. I love this. Then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in His name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Jesus opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. They start to get it. This is what it's all about. This is why Jesus came. This is why He died. This is why He was raised. Have you believed the Gospel? Have you believed that this is why Jesus of Nazareth was born? And this is why He lived a perfect life? And this is why He died on the cross to save you from your sins? Have you believed that? I hope that you have. I pray that you have. And if not, please believe it right now. Please see that Jesus is the only way to be forgiven of your sins. Please trust in Him as your Savior, as your substitute, as the the person you need in order to be right with God, to be forgiven by God, to be brought into God's family forever. Please believe. And then please understand that, that if you have believed... It's because Jesus has opened your mind to understand the Scripture. Jesus is so kind to us forgetful, stubborn humans. He opens our minds to understand the Scriptures. Understanding the Scripture is a gift from God and it's the only gift we need. It's tempting. It's tempting for me, anyhow. Maybe it's not tempting for you, but it's tempting for me to think that if I could have been there, if I could have been there, even if I was Thomas, you know, Thomas doesn't look like a hero. He's like, I don't believe it till I put my, nail, my hands in the, in the nail holes. You know, Thomas doesn't look... But it, it would be great to even be Thomas. To have been there. To see the empty tomb. It would have been great. And to see even more than that, see the risen Lord. To watch Him ascend into heaven. Sometimes I think that if I could have been there, if I could have been one of the eyewitnesses, then I would be holier and happier and more content and more courageous. If I could have been there, We're tempted to think that way sometimes. And I am thankful 
I am thankful that there are eyewitnesses to the empty tomb. And I am thankful that this is a documented historical fact. That this is an event where we have eyewitnesses who say, no, I saw the empty tomb. I saw the risen Lord. We saw Him ascend. We saw it. I am thankful that we have eyewitnesses. That this is a historical event. That this happened. I'm thankful for that. I'm also thankful I don't have to be one of those witnesses. I don't need to have been there. Peter himself, Peter is uh, Peter's the one who, when he hears the word from these women, even though he doesn't quite believe, even though he can't quite figure everything out, even though he's thinking this has got to be, they, they've got to just be, uh, they, they, they've, they've got to be confused. This can't be true. When Peter hears the word from these women, he and John run to the tomb. He looks in. John believes. Peter just marvels. He's confused. He's bewildered. He's amazed. He's astounded. He can't quite figure it out. This does not make sense. This does not compute. Peter was there. Peter was there. He ate breakfast with Jesus. He heard the voice of the risen Lord. He was there. Peter... Peter was commissioned by Jesus to feed Jesus' sheep. Peter was there. Peter says to us, though, in 1 Peter chapter 1, he says to us, the resurrection has done just as much for you in 21st century America as it has done for this 1st century Galilean. Peter says to us, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, God in His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope. You have just as much hope within you because of the grace of God. Because God has brought you alive. The same way God brought Jesus alive, God has brought you alive. According to His great mercy, you have been born again to a living hope. You have a, you have a living hope in an inheritance that is, is unfaded, undefiled, imperishable. It cannot be touched. God Himself is guarding this inheritance for you. And He is guarding you through your faith right now until you get to your inheritance. The resurrection of Jesus Christ has done just as much for you as it did for Peter or James or John. And then Peter says a few verses later, and I love this. Please listen. Please listen. Please tell the dogs to be quiet for a second and listen. Though you have not seen him, Peter says. Peter says, I saw him. You haven't. Peter says, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with with glory. It, it, it's obtaining the outcome of your faith. The salvation of your souls. No, you haven't seen Him. You haven't. You haven't. But you love Him. Stop and think about that with me, church. 
Don't you love Jesus? You've never seen Him. But do you love anybody more than you love Jesus? Don't you have this joy in you? Uh, Yes, yes, you're a human. Yes, you forget that you love Jesus. You forget how much you love Jesus. Even more, you forget how much He loves you. Yes, we forget. Yes, we're stubborn. Yes, it doesn't always translate into our daily life the way we'd like it to. But don't you love Jesus? Why is that? Because God has, has caused you to be born again to a living hope. Though you do not now see Him, you love Him. You believe. I don't know if I see this anywhere more clearly than I see it at a Christian funeral. I love a Christian funeral. And I know I'm weird. Anytime you say I love and you end it with funeral, that's just weird. But I love a Christian funeral where Christians are gathered around and they're saying their final goodbyes to another Christian who is now absent from the body and present with the Lord. And of course they're sad. Of course they are. Of course they are. But there's something stronger in all of them than the sadness. There is an inexpressible joy that's stronger, it's deeper than the sadness. Why is that? Because you love Jesus, because you believe, because God has has caused you to be born again by His great mercy through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and because Jesus, the resurrected, risen Lord, by His Spirit, has opened your minds to believe the Scripture. This is grace upon grace upon grace. And you're only a human. So how do do we humans, you and me, forgetful, stubborn, how do we plunge deeper into this inexpressible joy that God has caused us to be born again into, this living hope, this inexpressible joy? How does this become more and more real to us. What's the way forward for forgetful, stubborn humans? Remembering the words of Jesus. Reminding each other the words of Jesus. Remembering that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day Rise. And then that risen Son of Man said to us, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. If I go and I prepare a place for you, I will come again. I will take you to myself, that where I am, you will be also. This is Jesus' Word to us. He says, I have said these things to you that in Me you might have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart. 
Jesus says to us, I have overcome the world. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you that you have overcome the world. We thank you that you have filled your your holy word with your good words. We thank you that you have spoken to us through the prophets. You have spoken to us through your own lips as you you dwelt among us. You've spoken to us through your apostles. We pray, God, that you would help us to remember the words of Jesus. That by your Spirit, our minds would be open to, to understand and believe the Scripture. And that I... I pray, God, that we would, be, we would be intent on reminding each other of this. Reminding each other. Yeah, yes, we're humans. Yes, 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 we are. We're forgetful, stubborn humans. Yes, it takes us a while to process things. Yes, we're a step behind. Yes, we're, we're just, we're not. We're not who we want to be. Yes. But we have been born again by your great mercy. Our minds have been open to believe, to understand your truth. Help us to remind each other the words of Jesus. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that we can call you Heavenly Father because you have, you have raised Jesus from the dead and you have brought us into your family. Help us to have courage and joy love for you and love for each other. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.